Hello and welcome to Shite and Sound, the podcast where two comedians watch one of the masterpieces of world cinema and then follow it up with a critically reviled film that is similar in some way. Maybe there's your themes, plot, actors or director. We want to see if counterpointing these two films can bring out some new information or insights. On this episode, we watched number 32 on the Sight and Sound list, The Godfather Part 2. Often considered the best sequel ever made and a high watermark of quality for gangster genre. Our second film this week is Gotti, a film where one of the main characters has the exact same 2018 haircut from 1978 to 2002. 
realize how much we seemingly just went all in on Sully Sullenberg. I mean, obviously we made the great film with the ta- with ta- with the lesser Hanks chip for life. <laughs> Who doesn't love a good old slice of chip? I thought chip was a food, but anyway, probably is tri-state area crime. So. I'm a big gangster film guy. You may be able to pick that up. Finn, you had not seen any Godfather films before we did Godfather Part 2. I'd seen The Godfather, but it was once Mm. about eight years ago on my laptop while partially asleep. So I didn't get the full uh, Godfather experience at that time. Couldn't really uh, fully take in the nuances of Gordon Willis's cinematography. I, I don't know, maybe it's cynical of me to say, but with both the good Godfather films, that's Godfather and the Godfather Coda, The Death of Michael, Death of Michael Corleone, Corleone, yeah, um, it, it, it is that I feel like watching them while half asleep would help their slumberous, just perpetually rolling pace. The way that there's like, there are moments of excitement. But it's more like just like the buzz of a fridge. So what do you? So you don't could. So you don't really remember the Godfather. So how was it coming to the sequel? It's not really a sequel. People forget about that because it's part two. Yeah, yeah, it's also a prequel. What? No, it came out after, buddy. <laughs> Prequels is like sh- how Shrek is a prequel to Shrek 2. <laughs> or the Pink Panther is a prequel to the Pink Panther 2. Oh, it's, actually a pr- it's actually a prequel to Return of the Pink Panther. What? How is and that possible? That film, but, that, but no, those films came out before. Finn, I gotta talk to you about the linear progression of time. See, there are events. Do you know what now is? <laughs> um, I'm too tired for this bit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what bit I'm talking Okay, fine. Once again, another coastal elite rejecting me. Another coastal elite because of my ideas I- about the linearity of time. You're also from New York. You are also a coastal elite. Ah, uh, you think I'm an elite? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm tell that to elite. my wife. Oh, <laughs> I'm only a coastal elite because it's impossible not to be a coastal elite in New Zealand. I don't know. There's quite a lot of people I hear in that South Island who uh, could do could do a sea in the ocean. I'm saying I want to kill the South Island. Is what <laughs> I'm saying. <laughs> you cunt. <Yep. laughs> uh, so. Uh, yeah, uh, myself, I've seen the first Godfather maybe three, four times. Uh, I think it's pretty good, but I think Godfather 2 is where it really takes off. Um, especially it does this really tricky thing, which, which we should... We should uh, this is, you know, that this film exists at all is a miracle, because there was a big... Making the first Godfather, it was this book which is like uh, a menu, but longer. And so what happened is this guy wrote a book and people were like, hey, let's put that into a format other people will enjoy. Yeah. And so 
you know, Robert Evans, a whole part of The Kid Stays in the Picture, his autobiography, which was later adapted into what I understand is quite a good documentary, uh, is about the, the struggles of getting the first Godfather made. Francis Ford Coppola it was just coming off a big loss, you know. Um, uh, I can't remember the name of the film, but, it, you know, it did not do him well money-wise. They went through a bunch of other options, almost all of whom said no, because they were like, this book's just got long subplots about the size of women's vag v vaginas. And is largely a character assassination of someone who is clearly but not named Frank Sinatra. Uh, uh, but Frankie was like, fuck, I'll do it. And he only went and made the one of the best films ever under horrific circumstances. People were plotting against him at every level. And they were like, make us a sequel. And he was like, okay, but I'm going to make the conversation first. So in a, like an 18-month period, Frankie Coppola opens... Godfather. Then he makes the conversation, which is a talkie. I mean, these being films made after 1925, they're all talkies, but you know. That sound was really introduced in, in, in about like 1927. Yeah, I know, but like the early, early ones. Like early, I mean, like, can, do you consider Finn? No. Do you consider I, I've, never con I've never considered anything. Would you, when, you know, when we on Twitter? And you type like, oh, I just had some mozzarella and it wasn't so creamy. And I'll reply like, oh, that's what you get for going to Salvatore's when you should be going to Big Cheesies on the end. Do you consider that us talking? Yeah, that's you'd call that talking. You're nodding. So talking can be written. <laughs> And so in 1925, when there were silent films, people were still talking. So stay in your fucking lane. This is because I is this because I'm a made man, and you not. I'm not even quite sure what that means. <laughs> <laughs> but I have been made a man, and you remain a boy. <laughs> anyway, so he makes the conversation. Oh, I'm so <laughs> Well, look, maybe it's worth saying we started this recording at 10 a.m. Now, now the earliest we've started. The world seems crazy now. <laughs> at least it's not hot, you know? Like the yes. past week in Tamaki Macau it's fucking, it's been, it's been, I'm cooked. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how flesh is not hanging off my bones is what I'm not saying. Oh! Anyway, so he makes this conversation. It stars Lex Luthor. Uh, uh, people really like that. It's good. I think that wins the Canna's Golden Pam. Yeah, it won. It won the. It won. Yeah, it won the Palm Door. Yeah. Uh, um. Uh, just you seen that film? Yeah, the conversation it's, rules. Yeah, it's. I. I mean, I haven't seen it in ages, but all my memories of it are real good. Uh, it's got some real good conversations in it. It's like yeah. that film, uh, the film about 12 Angry Men, Seven Samurai. Yeah, anyway, it's, <laughs> it's hard to think. Uh, do you know what I just discovered? It's yeah, hard I, to think I, of another film with 12 men in it. Yeah, I, I was going to oh, say Ocean's Snow White 12. and the Seven Dwarves. Oh, yeah, no, I, 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 I was oh. going to say Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. 
But yeah, uh, would you? I mean, only one is one of them angry. I think one of them's grumpy. Oh yeah, and so now they're angry whenever you see them not Disney, because Disney copyrighted those seven names. It's great business, great business that we here in the organized crime world look at and go, they are operating in a way that is commensurate with our values. Anyway, good work, Walt. Good work, Mickey. Hey, I like Mickey because he's a mouse. Because do you know what mice are? They ain't rats! Anyway. So, and then he puts together Godfather Part 2, a sequel, just a sequel, adapting some bits from the first book, the first Godfather, the Godfather book that they didn't fit in the first film, that tells the story of Al Pacino, you know, Jack and Jill. <laughs> yeah, he, 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 he changed his name to Dunkachino in that one. <laughs> That's right. That's yeah, right. He did. Dunkin' Donuts. Oh, what a good name. What a good film. Oh, incredible work, Alberto Pacino. Oh, anyway, and it uh, continues following him as old Mikey Corleone as he's trying to make moves in Las Vegas. Who hasn't? And, uh, and tells in parallel an eerily similar story of Bobby De Niro, you know, from the internship and uh, meet the parents. <laughs> His two masters piece. Um, uh, he uh, He's going on this kind of parallel track of becoming a successful mafioso in the underworld of New York concrete jungle where dreams are made of. But it's such an underworld that it appears to be the past. It's crazy. It's a great bit. <laughs> no, every you... second of it. <laughs> uh, buddy, how else do we talk about these films? Oh, who can who can tell? You know? <laughs> who can tell? <laughs> okay, so buddy, t- I want you to take me through to Godfather Part Two, and tell me what your what it was like for you because this is a biggie. We've talked about the big mafia films, Bound. Godfather Part Two, Gotti. Those are the three. Um, that I, I even within a bit, I feel bad putting Gotti next to <laughs> to Bound and Godfather Part Two. Anyway, I just love Joey Pants. Anyway, uh, so you you coming into Godfather Part Two, not really knowing the lay of the land. Did you remember much of the plot of the first one? Well, there's there's a guy called the Godfather. Ah, uh, yeah. He's played Marlon by Mar- Bondo. Yeah, yeah, he's played by Marlon Bombom. And and everyone's like, "Hey, you're super important," and he puts oranges in his mouth, and he's like, Mah. "And uh, 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 James James Khan gets shot at a toll booth." Yeah, a lot. And yeah, because he's gonna it- go stop a guy beating his wife. Because that's the thing people don't know about us mafia. It's sure we baddies. We take the money. We get the drugs and we're like, hey, take these drugs. And hey, woman, you are my property and you're going to sell that body. But also we believe in the family, you know? Yeah. And that makes us heroes. 
unalloyed yeah, so that, that's, viewers. That's basically everything I remember is that Marlon Brando's yeah. in it and at one point James Khan gets shot. I, can't, I mean, so looking forward to Godfather Part 2, you were like, I expect Marlon Brando to be in this. Yeah. And I expect, I expect James, James Khan to get, to get shot again. Well, you must have been horribly disappointed. It's not even like a mafia voice anymore. It's, it's like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, just how I talk. <laughs> I'm just letting it grow. See what I can settle into? We've done this podcast for years. <laughs> I can't think of a sound. Can't remember what your full mafia nickname is, buddy. Uh, neither, neither can I. I mean, it's all a made-up voice anyway. No one real speaks like this. Oh. What, yeah, what about uh, John Gotti Jr.? Uh, he's not a real man. That is. <laughs> I don't want to go too far ahead, but the, the young man... Uh, who plays John Gotti Jr. in the film Gotti is some kind of Dorian Gray ageless yeah. figure, <laughs> an the, eminence this, this, from another dimension. The, the same actor plays him from like 1978 to 2000, from like being a being a 19 year old kid to being a man in his like late 40s with his own family, and he spends the entire time with the exact same haircut, looking like. A guy who just started doing step sibling porn, or or someone who was just removed from a boy band for being <laughs> the stocky one, you know. <laughs> <laughs> There's a real uh, dark energy at play in him. I think it is. I find it very troubling, which I think adds to the film in a positive way. So, Godfather Part Two. Talk me through it. How was your experience? It was like I, I I know this is one of those movies that people are supposed to like like love, and it's supposed to be one of the best movies. I thought it was pretty good. I I I, I, I never had like that strong a reaction to anything that was happening in it, particularly. Maybe if I'd seen The Godfather more recently, it would have felt like something. But the the entire time, I was like, this is a pretty good movie with. Lots of good acting in it. It looks it looks great, but it's it's fairly compelling for a movie that's over three hours long. But I don't know. Like in terms of movies where they go to Cuba for a bit, it's no Miami Vice. <laughs> that's true. It is hard to compete with the work of the best director, Michael Hunter, Manhunter. Uh, it is is yeah. Is there's something really exquisite? In, in how I just don't think anyone has truly captured what it is to be a fiend for mo- mojitos. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, I don't know if really remembering in detail the plot of The Godfather would help you with The Godfather Part 2. As I alluded to, the book is a lot more, uh, I would say episodic, but kind of rambling. Like I've heard the book isn't very good. No, I read it in primary school, which is something I have to stress, <laughs> even if I is 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 true outside of the bit. That was very troubling. Looking back on that, why did they? 
anyone. Oh, is this, this a book that was assigned in primary school? No, no. Oh my oh, okay, god. Okay, okay, oh, because you, 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 you were you were saying it in a way that sounded like it was. Yeah, I, no, I just need to stress. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. There were many adults who were aware I was doing that, okay, and they were perhaps. like, "That's a good use of that kid's time." Anyway. Uh, uh, but the first Godfather is really uh, uh, about Albert Pacino is Michael Corleone. who's this guy like, I don't like that mafia that my yeah. family is in. And my dad, who's Marlon Bundo, is all like, you come to me on the day of my daughter's wedding and um, ask me for some Pop-Tarts. They're in the pantry, you know? He's doing stuff like that. But then... Marco Corleone is like, uh, actually, uh, I've thought about it for two and a bit hours. I will join the mafia. I'm the new Don. And that's where we find him, you know? Yeah. It's kind of, it's, it's kind of just ch- taken the, the, the first Godfather is kind of the middle of the book. Right. Uh, and, and Godfather part two is taken the beginning, which is the stuff with Robert De Niro from Taxi Driver. I love that film. He's such a hero. I see a lot of myself in Travis Bickle. So much. Uh, um, and uh, uh, putting that alongside the stuff at the end, which is largely about Michael Corleone being like, I would like to buy a casino. And then his brother and being and like, the senator being like, no, because I don't like Italians. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Michael Corleone being like, well, I'm going to make it look like you killed a prostitute. <laughs> Standard business. Yeah. That's how it gets done in America. That's how, that's how laws yeah. get made. That's how bills get passed. Yeah. That's how gambling Well, no, no, we don't inside. pass no laws in this country. It, this is an interesting film, right? Because it's so beloved. Hmm. Uh, uh, and it comes from such a, like, yeah, the book, whether the book is good or bad, it's not really a matter uh, of debate. It's just about whether you, it's pulp, you know, like mm. it, 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 and yet the, it was turned into something that was so classy, something that's so slick, like this film, what do you think about how this film looks? I mean... Like it looks like 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 obviously it looks great. I've seen like four films that Gordon Willis shot, and they all look incredible. And it's for Godfather, Godfather Part Two, the uh, Steve Martin Pennies from Heaven, and Little Murders with Elliot Gould. All those movies look amazing. Very like very few people who are able to shoot a like sad person sitting alone in a room as well as Gordon Willis is. He's he's like the master of that. Well, yeah, and, 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 that, and that's a thing that I love in movies. Yeah, they called him the Prince of Darkness, and not yeah. just because of his long-running collaboration with Woody Allen. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, but this was a guy that's who a developed. <laughs> well, yeah, um, uh, but he... it's because he got so good at knowing just how much light to soak to film in. To give just the right exposure. The thing that everyone knows about the sepia look of these Godfathers films 
is that that's because he was underexposing them the whole time. Like, he is tricking the film into looking this good. And I, I think there's a lot of, like, I think what Coppola does, what Coppola did in the first film and in taking Puzo's big script, which was essentially like, so there was this guy and he whacked a guy and it was sweet as, and then he whacked another guy. So he was in charge now. And then his son was like, I like to be in charge. But Frank Sinatra was like, make me famous. So they made him famous and they whacked a guy. And then everything went to Las Vegas where one of the sons was like, ah, I'd like someone to whack you so he whacked his own brother at the end um was to take the section of that where things actually change and which is when albert pacino goes from being like oh my own get that mafia away to uh you know shooting some guys and then being like i'm the godfather now like in captain phillips um and and it it's kind of so what I what I'm trying to say is it's kind of tricking it into being a good film, you know, mm. and like when you look so much like obviously there are uh, a lot of incredible faces in these films, a lot of real Absolutely. good performances, but they they're all kind of in the Mitchum mode in the Hunter mode, which is not necessarily people doing great acting, but people being cast incredibly well, like people love. Marlon Bundo in their first film, right? And I think that's just because he's they've put him in exactly the right place. Like he's doing a bit of a voice, but he is just mainly being Marlon Bundo, you know? They've put him in the exact right place, which is a chair. (laughs) I mean, that's true. I'm sitting in a chair. You sitting in a chair? Yeah. Anything bad ever happened in a chair? No. Oh, oh, I just remembered about the electric chair. Oh, it's taken so many of my friends just because they had the temerity to openly commit crimes. Oh, this country. Maron. Anyway. Um, and I think that even comes down. And so, like, Al Pacino and Diane Keaton. Uh, uh, Diane, uh, who is who is playing... Oh, what's his name? Michael's wife? Kay. I, yeah, I, th- I think Keaton is unironically incredible in this film. Yeah. Uh, I think you there's... Know, I, a- I, 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 I realized when I was watching this, I just have not seen any Diane Keaton movies. Like, uh, I, I've, seen, I've seen both The Godfathers, and apparently the, the other movie I've seen her in is Finding Dory. Who is she in finding Dory? I I guess she's Dory's mum. Ah, that figures. Yeah, she she looks like she'd get on with Ellen DeGeneres. Ellen DeGeneres, great woman. You should see how she runs her staff. We at the Mafia spent a week at the Ellen show learning how to treat underlings. (laughs) Part of a work placement program. (laughs) Yeah. She came to us to learn about just being an absolute psychopathic monster who only exists to vampirically uh, uh, absorb others' talent. And she, we learned from her about how to treat people. <laughs> it was a fair exchange. Any ho. Yeah, like at, at, at one point, like 
six years ago, I saw the first half of Annie Hall, and then that's that, 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 that's that's all the Diane Keaton I've ever seen. So I so I really have no context for the rest of her career, really. I mean, uh, you got to check out Hanging Up. <laughs> I love that. It's just about three sisters who are always talking on the phone. And Walter Matthau is in it. I love oh. him. He's got a face like a scrunched up paper dog. Oh, I love that guy. I uh, love him in the taking of Pelham 123, mainly in the bit where he's a racist against Japanese people. Yeah. But Pacino in this film is much praised, and I think justly so. But yeah, I think it is also... The guy's, a, the guy's a good actor. But I think it is also, like, there's potentially a question around it. Because so much of the, the work he is doing in this film, in part two, is building off you having the knowledge of his arc through part one. Like, sure, this is yeah. the second half of an arc that starts with uh, him being like, no mafia. I, I say Nostra to the Casa Nostra, you know? Yeah. Um, And so I was just wondering how it read to you without much of that context, just within this film. I guess I sort of remembered that that was his thing in the first one. It does seem like a guy just doing the exact same thing for three hours. Yeah. And some could almost say that that is the whole film. <laughs> Would it be unfair to say that Godfather Part 2, it looks beautiful. Uh, got a little James Can at the end. Yes, we James Can. Yeah, love, 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 love seeing James, the, 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 the single hairiest man ever to appear in a non-werewolf film. <laughs> uh, I think you'll find that Thief is a werewolf film. It is just heavily implied that he is a werewolf. It's never explicitly stated, you know? Like how the word mafia never appears in The Godfather, because it would have made the mafia angry. Um, which is, but like this, the, the ending of the first Godfather, the scene where Marco Corleone takes control, but he's, he's at the, uh, the christening of a child baptism time, love religion. Uh, if there's one thing we in the mafia appreciate, it is thoughtlessly following <laughs> fictional ideas that have worn out their usefulness. Oh, um, and we intercut Frankie Coppola intercuts that baptism with all of these guys who stood up to Michael. They get their caps popped. Boom. In the head. Boom. Reading a newspaper. Boom. A third place. And uh, it's this beautiful sequence of kind of like birth and death, you know? And. Godfather Part 2 to me, what I like about it is that Frankie Coppola looked at that scene and was like, that scene was so good, I'm going to kind of make a whole film out of that. Right, yeah. Because Godfather Part 2 is basically Frankie Coppola 
you know, he's standing in front of the Brooklyn Bridge. He turns to the camera and he goes, New York's the best city in the world. <laughs> but also, have you ever thought about how birth and death are kind of the same thing? Their love and hate are kind of the same thing? Yeah? Mm-hmm. And uh, the thing that really brings it to life is the subplot about Bobby De Niro, you know, from um, Analyze from, This. From Righteous Kill. Ah, uh, yeah, of course. Oh, Bobby. The, 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 the best movie that, that him and El Pacino are in together. And you, so you juxtapose, like, okay, I gotta be honest with you, Finn. Mm. I was joking earlier. The stuff with Bobby De Niro is set, in fact, in the past. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, you know, whoa, whoa, I gave you so many opportunities to correct me, creating tension in this arrangement. But you, no, you fell into my trap. Uh, You may not know it looking at him. In fact, it is comical to envision, but Bobby De Niro is in fact playing a young Marlon Brando. (laughs) Uh, It is surprising that many people love this film when it fails at even basic character continuity. (laughs) Like... They want to brand the the final scene of Godfather Part Two is kind of where the two the the two narratives kind of intersect. Mm. Uh, uh, De Niro now has his whole family. It's where we get to see James Khan. We get to see uh, the daughter being introduced to the guy who's gonna assault her a lot, leading to James Khan's death. And then uh, Marlon Brando doesn't appear, yeah. and I think. This film would not be on the shite and sound list if this film at the end had genuinely had to make you reckon with that in like a six year or period, middle aged Robert De Niro turned into Godfather age Brando. Like it just would like, yeah, it's. It's interesting they didn't put him in, like, falling into a vat of toxic sludge or something, you know? (laughs) Even though it it does avoid doing that, this movie still does, like, a bunch of, like, prequel things that, like, everyone hates when prequels do now. This this literally has the scene from Solo where you, like, see how he gets his name. Yeah. Like, where Vito Call, where a young Vito Andalini is going through, like, customs at Ellis Island and... And so they're like, hey, what's your name? And I look on his little tag that says Vito Andolini from Corleone. He's like, oh, well, we'll call you Vito Corleone. And you're like, wow. Oh, that's how it happened. Yeah. And we also see the the very early on when he is, he's in Italy where he is from and he sees a crime and he goes, stop. Say that again. You're performing a crime? Oh. And uh, basically, yeah, he goes to America where he becomes a bigger and bigger crime guy, mainly through threatening and killing people. Yeah. Is the line about making them an offer they can't refuse from, from the first Godfather? Yes. It's, right. Is that not about putting the uh, uh, horse's head 
in the right. guy's bed so he can right, wake up and yeah. be like, oh, no, once again, I fucked a horse to death. Yeah, and I'm, of course, mainly familiar with that bit from the scene of the young ones where a guy wakes up with a, where I think Rick wakes up with, with a moose's head in his bed. Ah, uh, look, if you are looking for exquisite, absurdist, modern British comedy with an extended reference to a horse in a bed, Finn, you gotta watch Taskmaster. You will never guess... Never in a million years guess what task causes someone to recreate a horse head in a bed. It is a moment of karma convention, only bettered by about one every single episode of that show. Man, you just gotta watch it. So we can talk about how it's a total casserole down there is maybe the funniest piece of comedy in the past 20 years. Oh, anyway. So the life of this film, right, is in Bobby De Niro juxtaposing the rise against kind of Pacino's maintaining. And and, and as much as like De Niro is is praised for this film, this is which which, which he won his first Oscar for, right? Yeah. yeah. I think it is underplayed how much he is the person that makes this film work. Like, even beyond the fact that, like, all of his dialogue is in Italian, which he learnt, uh, apart from, like, the moment where he he goes back to Italy and there was a guy who was mean to him and he stabs him. And in, like, that moment of stabbing him, there is this childish, repressed explosion of anger where you're like, Oh, yeah, no, Bobby, you get it. You get these just are all kids who the world is left behind. And then you cut to Pacino entering hour four of glowering out a window. <laughs> and you're like, this is not. Yeah, I just I guess what I'm saying, as much as I love this film, because I'm a New York mafia. Oh, like. So much of it is reputational. Yeah. And, and, and like that reputation in, t- in the context of the film is The Godfather, which came out like 18 months ago and is great as well, you know? But it is still, it does not stand alone as much as people say it does, you know? It's no. good. I'd say if I was being a cynical Auckland film critic, I'd be like, oh, why not uh, just not, you know? Yeah. Uh, or, or it just seems weird to have both Godfathers on this list, I guess is what I'm it, saying. It, it does. It, 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 it seems weird that the two of them are, are on every list. They're both the top of the IMDb top 250, they're at the top of the letterbox top 250. I, I think one of the things is, because the Godfather films are like held up as the two greatest films of all time, the films that people watch like pretty early in their getting into film, and yeah. and that was my experience. At least. Yeah, and sorry. Oh, that was yeah. Me too. Oh, if you're watching these movies when you're like thirteen and you're just really discovering film as an art form for the first time, I can see why these would be your favorite films. But I don't know. I've I've yeah. I've, 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 I've seen so many movies now. And like so many, so many movies that I think 
do these sorts of character arcs better. I don't know. I have a hard time thinking of The Godfather Part 2 as anything more than just a pretty good movie that had no effect on me. I I think, I yeah. If I wasn't some big New York tri-state area gabagoo mafia guy, I could see myself agreeing with you on that. I think another big thing that people don't really take into account with this film is that, you know, when uh, Martin Scorchese, the art house director, said a while ago, you know, that uh, um, all superhero films are just attraction rides. And like when you go to Coney Island and you're like, oh, this place has never looked better than when it is a recurring central location in Mr. Robot. But anyway, when you go to Coney Island and you get on those rides, implying that they are all just replications of one gesture in a way, you know, uh, that they are the same thrills over and over again. I think a thing that the Godfather and Godfather 2 especially is that they've codified so clearly the gangster genre. And obviously there was gangster films before this. There was your Scarface, the good one. Um, uh, The one where James Cagney put someone's face in a grapefruit. And because I hate citrus, I love that film. Only apples for me. So I can say, how do you like them apples? As I shoot people with apples. And obviously I don't eat oranges. Because I'm in the mafia. If I go near an orange, I'm gonna die. It's the rules. As you've seen to Godfather. Um, and, and like even like the Sopranos, Goodfellas, Casino, which are all great works of art, which I would argue are better than to Godfather. Because they go deeper. Yeah. But they do not glamorize it, which Godfather obviously does is that they are all still just riffing on this. It's like, and, and so like the thing I always pushed back against Scorchese on saying like that those films are roller coaster rides is like, no, mate, your bread and butter are roller coaster rides too. That don't make it bad, you know? Well, no, he never said that theme park rides are bad. That was never part of his argument. He just said... These films are theme park rides. It was people listening who put who put a judgment on that. I oh okay. For someone whose nickname is Sound, you are surprisingly unsusceptible to locational vibrational frequencies. I feel like the context of his statement made it very clear that he was saying that as a negative thing. Anyway, no, he was still right. Like, the thing is, he's still right. It is just, as you say, The Godfather Part 2 codified, does so many prequel sequel things that we are now fucking tired of. But we see them this time and we're like, oh, when you see them for the first time, they work, you know? And when you see all these mafia tropes, like the idea of Dacosa Nostro as uh, uh, which is the ship from Aliens, um, is is that they uh, is that they do have a code, right? 
that they are. There's family, there's rules, like that's interesting for the first time. But if you were to say try make that film in 2018, oh my god, it would be the best film ever. We're about to talk about it, Gotti. Uh, but the fact that people have then gone on to complexify it, that we do have like Scorchese's art house movies, The Sopranos, which are films that are not on these guys' side. Yeah. Like it is like about the emptiness of it and the pain. And so seeing it unreconstructed, even though it looks beautiful, it still feels hollow. And it is, it does, I like, if I was an American, I would say that the constant promotion of both of these genre films is another case of American exceptionalism crushing culture, generally. Because I'm from America, with best country in the world, I would never say that. But, like, it's, what I'm saying is, I think out of shot and sound, it's sound. But not, like, great. Yeah, no, I I would I would agree with that. Now, Finn, I've been running uh, Southern again. The cowboy guy, I forgot to bring him back. Oh, anyway, no. Why, why oh, hello guy. there. No, it's me, Mafia guy. I've forgotten my name. Oh, um, <clears throat> I've been keeping a list of uh, all the films we've watched for this podcast and Force Majeure, Coldfish, and... Uh, love exposure and on that list the godfather part two i have it at number 55 uh, beneath carl theodore dreyer's gertrude and not very rude if you ask me whoa and uh, above unshen underloo uh, i have it at number 54 above the wild bunch and below the magnificent Ambersons. That seems fair. It's like it's good. It's yeah. just not great. You yeah. know? It, it it is so beautifully achieved. And like I and like the other thing working against the Godfather films is that Frankie Coppola then made Apocalypse Now, which is just transparently his best film. Just yeah, like and, and, and also he made the conversation in between in between the Godfather films, and I think the conversation is better than either Godfather film. I I think that is I think it has it, it I think the conversation has ripened better. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it is it is it has aged in the wine cellar at uh Coppola's vineyard. Um much great. Anyway, uh Hey I, Hey, uh, 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 character that you was doing. I don't remember your name. Uh, would you like to hear a uh, two-star review of The Godfather Part Two? You know it, buddy. Yeehaw. Yeah. So, <laughs> so well, you, you... only two. We normally we do like zero-star reviews or like half-star reviews. Is it two and a half? This is this is a, this is a two-star review. Oh, uh, uh, because uh, the 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 problem with this movie is that. All the people writing like like half star or one star reviews are idiots who have no interesting opinions, and I'm saying that as someone who just had no interesting opinions on The Godfather Part Two. Uh, like, like it's just like the laziest like Italian jokes, and like though this movie has an intermission, well, I hate that those. It's way too long, and like there's no there's no joke. I hate more. 
than people lazily stereotyping <laughs> Italians. Yeah. Oh, we should we 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 we, we shouldn't we shouldn't stand for it. No, we're sitting as we've discussed. Yeah. Like for the for like half star reviews, say things like warning. Do not watch this movie. I watched it and now I suffer from a rare condition called spontaneous orgasms. Just like like bad reviews that suck shit. Uh and so I, I had to go to the two star reviews where I found just like at least something. This is this is a two star review of Godfather Part Two by Douglas MacDonald. The Godfather Two is one of the rare sequels that is held as highly regarded as its predecessor. They're even right next to each other on IMDb's top 250 list. I went into it knowing that reputation just like I did for the last one, but I was also worried due to its whopping 200-minute runtime. A lot of what the first movie did so well is still here. The acting is still phenomenal, El Pacino still being a standout, and the visuals, music, and cinematography are top-notch. Just like the last movie... I'm not ignoring any issues I had with it just because it is the sequel to The Godfather. And I'm sorry, but I didn't enjoy The Godfather Part 2. This film was insufferably boring. It is 3 hours and 20 minutes long and definitely feels it. I was staring at the clock just waiting for it to end and it just kept going. The main story is just so uneventful. The last one had the war between the different families which was so intense. It felt like, it felt like anyone could die at any time and kept you on your toes. This one doesn't have anything that exciting, and it feels like four movies in one. There are many flashbacks to Robert De Niro as a younger Vito Corleone, and they feel so pointless and out of place. They, they should have been cut out of this movie and put into their own movie. That way, we would have less jumping around and the runtimes would be much more bearable. The film also throws so many faces at you at the beginning, and then tells you some names, and it basically makes you figure out who is who. The, la the last one spent enough time with each character to let you know who they are, but I was completely lost in this one. There is, sort of, there is sort of a mystery for the first half that the main characters just kind of figure out without a ton of investigation, and it doesn't keep you guessing. And after that is solved, I genuinely have no idea what happens, and I really didn't care. By the end, I had basically lost interest in the story. I'm sorry, I wanted to like this, and if you like it, that's great but I found it far too boring, and this should have been way better. I think that points to another thing that, I, that we kind of brushed on, which is that the, the pace of this film, uh, as well as the original Godfather, is one that is very centric on the audience being captive. Yeah. A lot, as much as it contains a lot of talk, like the conversation or any film, any film, um, it, it is one that asks you to always be paying attention uh, in how it plays things, plays against things, like how he works out that mystery is all on the screen, mm. but it's hard to pick out if you're just looking at your phone. You know, these kids today looking at their phone when they should be doing what we were doing, eating lasagna. <laughs> I love Garfield. So... Again, whatever your character's called. Would you I like think to let's just say that I'm Yutha. <laughs> I'm just talking, I'm just, I'm Gangster Yutha. Fine. G gangster I've only Yutha. got one character name, and it's Richard Explicit, <laughs> and you kept him in the birth canal, you know? Oh. Hey, Gangster Yutha, would you like to guess Douglas McDonald's top four films? Oh, yeah. 
Okay. Is one of them the Godfather? Uh, nope. It's one of uh, them good fellas. No. What about Casino? No. Analyze this. No. Analyze no. that. No. Hate. No. Oh. Scarface. No. Okay. So this guy's got some kind of real head trauma problem going on is what I'm hearing. No. Uh, the, the, the first film on the list. Sort of a gangster movie. Oh. Like, how much of a gang... Like, is it Bugsy Malone? No. <laughs> oh. Oh. Uh, okay. Is it animated? It's an action film with, like, a gangster film sort of going on in the background. Is it a American film? It is. Okay. From what decade? The 2000s. Oh. I've never thought of a film in my life, is what it feels like in my brain right now. Like, nothing. It's not The Departed, right? No. 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 Uh, okay. Give me, is Linda Cardellini in it? Uh, She's she, my cousin. Uh, she, she, is, she is not in it. No. Oh, okay. Uh, this movie does share one cast member with heat, very pointedly so. Forrest Gump? Um, no. Uh-huh. Uh... Uh, uh, oh, right, 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 right. So it's got Wayne Grow in it. <laughs> no. Uh, all right. And, uh, is it Pacino or De Niro? It's neither of them. Oh, my God. There are other actors in Heat? Yeah. Uh, it's Henry Rollins, baby. Oh, uh, is it? Is no, it's not Henry Rollins. The two actions so nice they named them twice. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Uh, no, it is. Oh, it's, it's not. It's not Kilmer. Uh, how ma- Sizemore? No. Natalie Portman. No. <laughs> it's Black Swan. No. <laughs> Famous action. <laughs> a- a- action gangster movie. Yeah. <sighs> they deal in drugs. Yeah. Well, uh, is it? Well, like, kind of. If you think about it. Because Black Swan is a prequel to John Wick 3, Parabellum. So uh, and, the, 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 uh, this, this actor also has uh, the one good scene in Crash, apart from Michael Pena. All right, you're going to need to give me something. Uh, let's take another tack on okay. this. It's, so is this it's, it's, a good a, film? Uh, I, I believe so, yeah. It is, is, it? It, it, is oh. it is a sequel. Okay. It's a uh, sequel? It, it, it's, it's another movie like The Godfather Part 2 where people think it's a sequel that's better than the original. Oh, all right there. Is it like, uh... Let's take... Uh, it's a sequel that people think is better than the original. Was it a recent original? Or is it a long-awaited sequel? Uh, no, it, it, it came out like like four years after the original. Okay, is it a superhero film? It is a superhero film. Ah, gabagool. Uh is it uh um is it Spider Man two? No. Oh. I love that film. It's all about how New York is great and only improved by the addition of robotic octopus arms. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is it X Men two? No. What the fuck? What? What is going? Oh, 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 I remember now. It's Superman Returns. No, no, no. Okay. Memento. Yeah, that's Memento. You got it in one. 
<laughs> no, it's the Dark Knight. It's oh. the Dark Knight starring William Fickner from Hate. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I do love that film. It really represents the best kinds of stationary storage. And about how often me and all my friends like Michael Jai White and Eric Roberts get around a table where none of us with guns and just let one guy who looks like some weedily dreamboat in neon massacre people in front of us without us ever thinking to just like pop him. Yeah. Good movie. Uh, next, we have a movie that came <laughs> it is, out. It's a very good movie, yeah. Yeah. And uh, next, we have a movie that came out last year and it was basically ignored, made no impact. And then at the beginning of this year, people were like, oh, is this, is this movie incredible? Uh, it's, it's, it's a horror movie. Uh, stars, stars one of the cast members of The Departed, but not one of the ones you're thinking of. As good as it gets. Um, uh, have I seen this movie? Uh, no, uh, not, neither of us have seen this. Uh, uh, is it the one that's called like, The Empty Man or something? Yes, yes yeah. it is The yeah, Empty yeah. Man. Good yeah, job. Yeah. Uh, next we have uh, the worst movie made last decade by the director who had the best run of films in the last decade. Silence? Uh, no. Everyone knows his worst film from the last decade is Wolf of Wall Street. No, buddy, you just gotta get, do some crimes, there's so much fun, get Kanye West to play, oh, anyway, tell me one more thing about this movie. Uh, it's got a one word title, like almost, uh, like almost all of this director's movies that came out of the last decade. It did American film? Uh, yes. Ah. Although the director is not American. Oh. Oh, he he is not from the United States. I should oh. I should clarify. Oh oh, is it last night in Soho? No. <laughs> oh my God. Oh fuck. Anyway, <laughs> it's not so much the surprise of the mighty falling. It's how hard, right? Anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. I oh okay. Do what, have what, I seen what, what? this film? Oh, what, is it what? Interstellar? No. No. Uh, uh, is it Tenet? No. Uh, wrong, wrong decade. Uh, last decade. Oh. Yeah. Okay. This director had an unbeatable run in the 2010s, and this is their worst film from that run. A lot of people think it's their best film. They are wrong. Gravity? No. <laughs> Some of the actors. Viola Davis. David Desmelkian. Melissa Leo. Maria Bello. I feel like I'm having a stroke. Um, okay. What kind, what, like, what genre are we in? Uh, this is, uh, it, it's, it's a, it's a drama with, like, mystery, crime, thriller elements. It's got two leads. Oh. Both, 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 both investigating the same mystery in different ways. Ambiguous ending. Oh, it's always the way. Mm. Oh, prisoners! Yeah, it's prisoners. Yo, hey, you're right. That is that's his nine out of ten in a career ten out of tens. Yeah. I thought it was like bad, bad. No, no. Yeah, no. It's just his most straightforward film. I, I don't know. Dune is pretty straightforward, <laughs> but it's so good at it. Oh, 
Oh, those peeps, they beg. Anyway, is yeah, that I mean, the last one or are there no, more? Uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the last one is uh, the final part of a trilogy. The Return uh, of the King? Uh, no. Um, the Matrix uh, Revolutions? No. Harry Potter and uh, Prisoner of Azkaban? No, no. Sicario 3, Knight of the Soldado? Uh, no. Uh, pe- pe- uh, people in this movie include Toby Kibble, uh, Judy Greer. Ah, uh, no, shut up, shut up. We are going to war with yes. those damn dirty apes. Yeah, it's War for the Planet of the Apes by yeah. Matt Reeves. The second best of those. Three, one, two. I remember that because it's also my body count. That's how many people I killed after fucking them. Oh! <laughs> I'm a criminal, but I believe in family. So thin. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, I believe in family. That's why I got respect. And I do it the old ways. And that makes my perpetual harming of other people acceptable. You know? Mm-hmm. And I wear a suit. And I've been made into a man as some kind of homunculi. <laughs> Homunculus. Fuck. Anyway, Americans, you know how you're always like, oh, you've got an accent when you talk to anyone else in the world. Are sure, you aware yeah. that, <laughs> oh, what I'm talking about, like, right now, uh, this is how you all talk. <laughs> like, Hi. Um, okay, so, fuck, what am I doing? Oh, so, Fit, you're yes. down there in Tamaki Makoto, right? Auckland, yep. New Zealand. Formerly the location for Lord of the Rings, rip. Formerly the location for Cowboy Bebop, rip. I love that show. I thought it was so brave of them to go like, let's take a great show and adapt it so it's fine. So brave. Now, what's it like for you there down in Arklaim? Uh, it's terrible. What's wrong? <sighs> the only restaurants that are open uh, after, like, 11 at night are uh, Denny's or McDonald's. And so if you want to, like, go and, like, hang out with your friends after a comedy show, your options are Denny's or McDonald's. And it's just... There's only so many times you can order the large pancake stack at Denny's before you start to really question things. Uh, that's the main problem with Auckland. I feel it. I feel it. I got a solution for you. Oh yeah. Have you considered moving to the best city in the whole world? Concrete jungle where dreams are made up. The city so nice they named it twice. Wagga Wagga. No. <laughs> New York, New York. Oh, and if there's this, this from 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 its song. No. Not at all. I don't watch art house films. I only watch good, wholesome American films made by cast members from Entourage. And you know a film is great. Yeah, so you you, you watch Gotti. You watch uh, uh, the Aquaman movie that exists in-universe in Entourage. That's it. So, what better way of starting a film? I want you to imagine... 
you've just finished watching The Godfather Part 2, which, for however you can balance against it, is an exquisite piece of craft. It ends on this contemplative shot of Albert Pacino's face as he's like, what have I become, my mm-hmm. oldest friend? Everyone I know goes away in the and he just it's like oh it's like it's like hurt you know yeah <laughs> God damn it. He's, he's, he's just shot his he's just had his brother shot in the head yeah now he's feeling bad about it but he kissed him first which makes he it did. cool that's how you make it that's why you gotta just if you kiss someone before you end their life it's good right yeah anyway it's classy. Anywho, imagine you watch that that beautiful final moment from Albert Pacino, and then immediately you start watching a film that starts with like ten logos at the beginning, all of which look like the startup menus for illegal children's DVDs. <laughs> and then you cut to oh, what a sight. Jonathan Travolta. Jonathan Travolta, one of one of the one of the great stars of the silver screen. Genuinely, never made turned, a bad movie. Uh, uh, and he and he's he looks like he's dressed up for Halloween as Tom Cruise in Collateral. <laughs> <laughs> and he turns to the camera and he says, "There ain't no fucking better city in the world than New York." I'm John Gotti, and I got some funny stories to tell you. And then he takes you on a rip, roaring ride for nearly two hours, where he will sit and have conversations with people where they're like, John, I gotta buy some fazool for my wife. And he's like, no, the thing about fazool is that blood is in the family. The family ain't in the blood. Blam, blam. And then it's just like that. It's just like, it is. Like, I want to. There's a great scene where Stacey Keach just uh, lists all of the fire boroughs of New York, like John Gotti, <laughs> a, a man who's lived his, his whole life in the fire boroughs and is now like 40 years old, wouldn't already know this. It's like, you, you've got to give the heads of all fire boroughs on your side Manhattan, Staten Island, <laughs> Queens. The Bronx, the other one. What, what's, the, what's the other one? And then Bronx. Rhode Island. No, 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 no. Staten Bro- Island? Bro- Brooklyn. Oh, Bro- I, already, I, I said, said, yeah. Uh, I oh, just... man, I'm, I'm so sad that Stacey Keach is in this movie because I'm a, oh, I'm a, I'm a, I've watched a bunch of Stacey Keach movies this year. I'm a big fan of Stacey Keach. I think he's wonderful. Look, breaking the bit, but not the voice. Like, I'm said that John Travolta is in this Yeah, film. But, like, like, he's been, but like, John Travolta's been doing shit for like 25 years now. Okay, okay, okay. I want to put a pen in that because I do want to like describe the film a bit first. Yeah. But there is, I think, I think Travolta's in a cage. Yeah? Yeah, and I'm j- not j- just, j- talking just like about, in Face Off. I'm not just talking about Brittle. Yeah, there was a joke I was going to make later. Yeah. But now you've blown the load way too early. Yeah. Oh, and you know what happens when you blow the load too early? You add to the body count. So now I'm saying it looks like War for Planet of the Apes is tied for third. That was a good callback and just nothing. 
fine. Yeah. It was a maths joke. I don't, I don't know. I didn't know. I didn't know what you were saying. It does uh, three one two. It uh, okay. Finn, sit down. <laughs> Let me no. explain. I have a diagram. I'm opening. I'm gonna share my screen and open up Microsoft Excel here. Right. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Oh. So, but this film, I want you to imagine what could be better. You know, uh, in like an acting class where, you know, like, uh, you know, after work, adult yeah, education you, you, acting you, you, class. You, you guys will remember in your, in your acting class where one, where, one of the other, where one of the other people in the class was an East Door Island head. <laughs> like, this is like, this, this movie is just that. Well, and you do, and you do like, you play out like a scene. You know, you pair up and you'll get a scene. And the scene will be probably like, oh, Jonathan, I, I had to kill Jorge. And being like, now the thing you got to understand, Linda, is that I took a knife to my family. But I didn't take family to my knife. Like in the way that <laughs> the thing that makes Fast 9 brilliant is about how they it is a now mythological event in which like John Cena is the brother from the past chiseled in stone who low will become good at some point it is written like that kind of writing but in scenes between two people it might be a guy being like oh uh Jericho I've I've run out of cash and another guy being like now what you gotta understand is that I've got all the cash, but you don't got the money. And it's just like pointless scenes, and a lot of them are about crime. And I love those scenes. Uh, oh, and uh, I thought, what if what if there was a whole film of those scenes, uh, of just people just pointlessly rambling, so you will not believe how little business there is in this filmlessness how much happens finn nothing right like well, yeah no no it, it, it takes place over almost 40 years and not a single thing happens in it. it and people some would call that boring yeah but i call that innovative it is <laughs> like i've been engaging a lot with slow cinema recently films that change the temporal scale of narrative yeah, you, 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 you've been reading Paul Schrader's Transcendental Style in Film. Oh. 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 Those are my reactions to just thinking about Schrader. A man who I love, but I love more. All of his characters who are heroes that I aspire to be. Yeah. Oh. And, and, and in terms of things you like about Schrader, it's his characters. Being, <laughs> no, uh, no, 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 no. Then, Top uh, of the list is his Facebook, then his characters. Uh, yeah, okay. His Facebook posts, then his characters. Number three is all of a sudden he keeps saying in uh, in 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 in, uh, in Zoom poker groups. Uh, <laughs> num- num- number four is the time he was going to leave his wife for for, for Nastasia Kinski, uh, but she wasn't into him. <laughs> like the Natalie Pullman guy. Yeah. Oh my. Yeah. Oh, anyway, <laughs> fuck the hell. Um, the card uh, counter in theaters now. It's pretty good. Duh, uh, but anyway, this film is like 
it is uh, slow cinema often will achieve moments of, of meditation almost with an audience by extending moments, long running yeah. times. Whereas Kevin Connolly from Entourage, oh, um, he has decided to make a slow cinema film within the bounds of a traditional cinema length. Mm. And he has done that by making a film so featureless. <laughs> So amorphous, so boring, so repetitive. And, and like, it feels to me like wet paper mache. It's just a lump of matter, you know? Yeah. And so while you're watching it, your brain is like, should I be paying attention? And then you tune in and John Travolta will just be like, in a varying degree of what seems to be either aging or burn victim makeup going like, Oh, the thing about this city is this city respects me because I respect this city. But the Metro tubes, they're my veins. And you're like, and you're like, Oh, that's, that's wise. I guess, buddy. Oh, so um, do you know who wrote this movie? When I got to the credits and I saw who had written this movie, I, uh, could not believe it because there are two credited screenwriters. One of them is a guy called uh, Leo Rossi who's never really written anything else. But the, the the other one, the first credited screenwriter is Lim Dobbs. Best known for his collaborations with Steven Soderbergh. Wrote Kafka, The Limey, Haywire. Also wrote Dark City and The Score. And, be, and I mean, like, hasn't done anything since, like, 2012 and then fucking wrote Gotti, apparently. Uh, Is between their names, was there an and or an ampersand? Uh, I I, uh, believe it was an ampersand. So they wrote this together? Oh my god. Mud on. Yeah, I... I, Jesus. I mean, I love the film, but whoa. (laughs) I don't understand how the guy who wrote the limey wrote this. Because the thing about the limey is... What did he... Okay. I have a theory. Okay. Is he dead? And was the other person yeah, a yeah, medium purporting to talk to him beyond the veil? Like that it's it's gotta be something like that, because otherwise it just doesn't make sense. Also, one of the, I'm looking now, one of the producers on this film is someone called Scrotus Maximus. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> what is going on with this film? Well, this film was made with the cooperation of the Gotti family. You can tell that this film was like done with the cooperation of the Gottis because it. This film feels the same way about John Gotti that Bohemian Rhapsody does about the two members of of Queen who were involved in the making of Bohemian Rhapsody. I would go further than that. I would say this film feels about John Gotti the way that the one better film than Gotti, Passion of the Christ feels about christ yeah like, yeah but, but, but this this movie ends with like real footage from after like john from like real real footage from after john Gotti died of like real new yorkers on on, on the streets talking to the cameras about like how john Gotti is one of the greatest men in history and the, and the film like like it, it's it's sometimes hard to like to 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 like to, to, to like tell the intentions of a filmmaker 
just presenting something on screen is not the same thing as endorsing it. Well, yeah, and film but, is such a communal... I, 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 yeah. I understand the point you're getting to. I just mm. want to add, film is a communal art form, right? Mm. It is transactional. It is media. It travels through. The film presents us something, and then there is the synthesis where we interpret. So it is always in conversation with us. We can never truly know a film's heart. Except for Except for Gotti. Yeah. Like the, this the, film the, the, loves Gotti. This is a film that just fully believes that this guy who it shows doing many, many murders is like actually one of the greatest men in history. And, and like, he says no to drugs. What? He does say he's, he says yeah. no to drugs. Uh that's about it, really. He only threatens to hit his wife. I, I, I think we never do, do we ever actually see him hit his wife? No. Yeah, it's just like it's just like playful ribbing, but he's gonna hit his wife. Now that which just reminded me of something I wanted to mention about the Godfather part two. Uh and this is possibly uncouth. Uh but when when Al Pacino hits Diane Keaton in that film Mm. because she's being like, I'm fucking leaving I had an abortion. I killed your son. Because I do not want to raise a family with you because you said you'd go straight five years ago no, in five years, seven years ago. And we're still here. People are still dying. And she's just yelling at him. And it seems like he's going to take it. And then out of nowhere, boom, he hits her in the face. I think not counting like jump scares. Is that the most upsetting moment of violence in a film that doesn't involve, you know, like that bit in Raw when they move the bed sheet and the whole, that guy's whole leg is like, <laughs> you know? <laughs> or like the arm and, you know, it's fucking... Yeah. And, and, and it is in that where you're like, the, like the, the reason The Godfather and Godfather 2 is still sustainable as good, even though it is a pretty unreconstructed thing, is that he is still, he is a villain protagonist. The film yeah. still kind of respects him, but anyway, yeah, no, in this guy is the best man ever. Like, because of course he was. And to the point where I I think a lot more films should do this. Because over the end credits, because they eventually got Gotti on some trumped up charges of like ordering a bunch of murders or whatever. Yeah. Things that no, never hurt being, nobody. Being, being the head of the largest crime family in America. Yeah. Uh, and uh, then at the beginning of the end credits, where you would normally see, like, John Gotti was a murderous criminal who made other people's lives markedly worse, it was, in fact, like, attempting to prosecute John Gotti. (laughs) The the authorities struck plea deals with rapists <laughs> and robbers who are now on our streets. <laughs> so this film ends with a sincere argument. Yeah, they're, they're, they're like, they're like John, they're John Gotti should have been let out of jail. <laughs> there like, really is no other film to compare this to than like, just any movie about Jesus. That is how this script and this director think of John Gotti. He, he, is, he is a martyred saint. And the nice thing is because we all know John Gotti. We all grew up with John Gotti. He was always in the news across the world. And so this film just assumes that everyone loves John Gotti already. It's not like the film does a lot of work 
to introduce you to John Gotti. It doesn't need to do that. All you need to do is see, oh, Johnny Travolta in just the weirdest makeup, puffy as shit, love the... Yeah. I love Puffy Travolta. I love when he's got heft to him. I hate what he's what he feels, uh, uh, the beauty standards that have made him have all that plastic surgery that's not working. I really hate that for him and, like... But anyway, you just need him there to say, I love New York, and you're like, that's the Gotti I know. I'll let him get away with murder as long as there was no drugs, and he kissed them beforehand. And now I just want to see him talking to people, and that's what he does. Yeah. And, like, I assume this is all the footage they shot just end to end. (laughs) I could not. Is there? Does this film have a plot? I could not tell. Uh, he wants to be the. He wants to be in charge of a mob, and then he's in charge of a mob, and then the government's mean to him for being in charge of a mob. Well, that's the problem, right? Uh, like that, that's 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 three plot points. That's all. That's all you need for a movie. I think that's what David Lynch said, right? If you, if you mean, can think, if you can, if you can think of uh, three vaguely connected plot points, you've got a movie. Don't bother with anything else. What a guy. I think those are his exact words. Yeah, precisely. Uh, like, so th- this this movie wants to be a Scorsese movie so badly. Yeah. And it can't do it because uh, it's directed by someone with no talent. Yeah. It's a terrible script. It's poorly edited. It has uh, no interesting uses of music. Something that Scorsese's movies have always is he'll make, like, long movies that take place over many years and his movies always have a sense of the time and a sense of time. Like, yeah, yeah. You, you can feel time progressing in a way that feels natural, but also like each period or each moment has has like a has a distinct, different feel to it. Whether he shows that through costume or camera or music, he finds ways to like demarcate all these different periods of time in a way that feels totally like natural and flows really well. This movie cannot fucking do that at all. It takes no. place over forty years. There, there is there is no progression to the time at all, and the, there is, the only progression we get is in John Travolta's makeup. Yeah. Sure, but like, but, 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 but like that's like for, for 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 the first like five years of a movie, he has one look, and then for the next thirty years of a movie, he has another look, and then he's in jail and he's bald and his jaw looks a bit wobbly. Yeah, and, but like there there is. I'm uh, that was like I'm just saying. Yeah, what you're talking about here is art house stuff. That's why we love Marty Scorchese's art house films. People who see them, but we like regular films like Escape Plan or Home Alone Five. <laughs> the like other thing that everyone loves about Scorsese's movies is his use of music. Oh yeah, like incredibly purposeful and well placed pieces of pop music, and th- th- this movie. And this one uh, gets that exactly right, hits it right out of the park. There's no better a musician to elucidate the spirit of Gotti than Pitbull. Yeah, this movie has one of the blandest scores I've ever heard. I cannot remember a single thing from the score. Like the 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 time the time the it uses at like the like times it uses like non-score music. there's a Christmas party where where people where everyone is listening to 
the most generic jazz you've ever heard in your life. Yeah. Which after a minute reveals itself to be actually a which which after a minute reveals itself to be actually the most generic jazz cover of of Jingle Bells you've ever heard. There is one use of pop music in the entire movie, and that's at the end of the movie they play a cover of House of a Rising Sun, which like has no relation to the film at all, and it's just it's just a boring cover of House of a Rising Sun. They couldn't even get the fucking animals version of house of a rising sun and like what what does house of a rising sun have to do with john Gotti? what does it have to do with being a gangster what does it have to do with anything in the story nothing it's just sort of a famous song that that people enjoy so they put it in the movie it is it, it is it is so baffling that like that's that's the one time they decided to like use use a piece of pop music it makes no fucking sense Oh, and God. then there's a Pitbull song over the end credits, like every yeah, film like, should have. Like, hey, John oh. Gotti, he's a best. I love that guy. He wore a vest. Like, great, great, great stuff. Pit, great stuff, Pitbull. Know. Oh, Whoa. Pitbull. Well, when, when did you get here, Pitbull? <laughs> yeah, so, Pit, tell me about yourself. What are other things about you? <sighs> so, uh, I guess I don't... Uh, let me let you behind the scenes. See, here's the thing about the mafia is that we are a dying breed. Mm. We have, it is often easier to make money in legal ways that are immoral or uh, just type on your pewter, which we were very late to, as you can see in the Sopranos. Um, a TV show where they keep talking about DVD players as if they're the future, and you're like, oh, the past. Oh. Anyway, and so we are actually dying out, like most mass organized crime syndicates that are not also the governments of countries or the Republican Party. Uh, but a lot of what we do is, is about, like, brand management. So the reason there's always, like, another gangster film, you know, like Gotti, is because it's us gangsters just giving them money and, and uh, being like, hey, make a film about how gangsters, you know, we do the crimes, but hey, family. Yep. And how we kiss people before we kill them, which is good, you know, and maybe we say no to drugs. And I don't know, but the fact that there's so, of all the films, that is so transparently obvious in Gotti, to me, as a member of the Casa Nostromo, I found it quite heartwarming, you know? Yeah. To see... So, like, I keep saying that throughout the movie. Doesn't that would mean Vampire House? Yeah. Well, because, like... I gotta tell you, the only one film has been brave enough to tell the truth about the mafia, which is that we hide an even darker secret, a dark red secret. We are all vampires, blur. Yeah, and that's why your favorite movie is Sicilian Vampire by Frank D'Angelo. I, I mean, I was only alluding to it, yes, but I mean, look, not, 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 not all of our audience knows about. Sicilian vampire. 
Look it up. It's a genuinely great film that I love. <laughs> Borderline a documentary on the mafia blood drinking experience. Yeah, well, uh, I, I believe that movie also has James Kahn in it, doesn't it? Yeah, he'll do anything for money. Let's talk about Travolta. Because in this film, I would call his performance Travolting. Which is, uh, you know, may sound like an insult, but I gotta remind you that I like this film. It's good. Oh, gabagool. I'm a mob. Uh, sorry, uh, I've just, um, I've just seen. Uh, do you know what the budget was for Sicilian Vampire? Uh, yeah. A hundred million dollars. It, it was, it was 11.3 million dollars. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, I get blood expensive, you know? Had to get on the dark red market. Yeah, well, you know, he the Frank, Frank D'Angelo saved all that money by uh, by getting out of all those sexual assault convictions. So, good on him. Just gonna let that hang there. Good one. Any hopes? So, why do you think of Travolta in this film? Uh, it's really bad. I uh, don't. I don't enjoy anything he does in it. Uh, he he does all the things that John Travolta does when he is uh, trying and failing to be charismatic. Uh, I mean, he, he's 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 never been a guy that I loved really. Like I, I I think he's I think he's very good in Pulp Fiction. He's fun and carry, but I've, I've I've never really seen that many John Travolta movies. Growing up, when I did, most of the John Travolta movies I saw were from his like really bad period like like I, I saw wild hogs on a plane when i was like six years old i saw from paris with love you know just like garbage shit movies yeah. that he made just empty calorie movies made by a guy try who on his third or fourth wave you know mm. for some reason my dad loves the movie from paris with love i don't i don't i don't understand it wait I, and I, you're I, and and this is the same father who's a medically qualified practitioner to discuss other people's minds. Yeah, yeah, no, he's what he's, he's, what? he's one of he's one of New Zealand's leading psychologists. Uh, I do not believe that to be true anymore. No, exa- exactly. I believe that he is uh, some kind of stopped clock who has just been very good at being right at the right time. Uh, please leave the house. I worry it will instantly catch fire whenever he tries to cook something. Like he, like he, 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 he's, he's not really someone who likes movies that much. Like he'll, he'll, I mean, clearly not. Yeah. (laughs) He'll, he'll just like watch whatever garbage is on Netflix. There will be times that I've like brought up from Paris with love as, as an example of a bad movie. And he's just been like, what are you talking about? That's like a great movie. I don't know how uh, anyone could think that. And also, uh, he made me a uh, uh, stop show. Uh, I, I tried to show him Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon a while ago, and he made me turn it off after 50 minutes and said the flying looked silly. And, you know, I've never felt less related to someone. Yeah, Finn, if you will check your email, I have just sent you the legal documents to divorce your parents. And then after that, I have sent you a link to a dark, a dark money site where you can order a assassination of him. <laughs> oh, 
anywho, actually don't divorce him because you can then get get money, hopefully when he dies. Yep. I think it'd be better for everyone. No, so Travolta, like, I feel like Travolta is, is, is in a cage, like face off, as you yep. said. And like the Nick Cage thing is that Nick Cage is good at what he does. And what he does is not traditional acting, you know? It is a kind of intensity. It's like screamed performance. It is wholeness and oneness, right? Mm. And, and, and the rise again of Nicolas Cage is uh, people looking at him being like, I got to make a film about this, you yeah. know? And And... As much as, yeah, Travolta in Greece and Pulp Fiction, like, you look at it and you go, and like, I understand. And you go, I understand him as, like, a leading man, sure. But the place that he works the best for me, oh, is, is, is Robert Shapiro in, in The People vs. O.J. Simpson. Right, yeah, I heard he was good in that. Where he is doing almost exactly this performance, right. this artificial, almost like kabuki mask performance, where all he can do is, is kind of like emote too much, like he's wrong. He's like in the uncanny valley of acting. Yeah. And, and in that, because Shapiro is like this lawyer who's questionable, you can never really follow him. The bizarre disjunct of that would work. And I'm just like, this performance has Gotti. Imagine this as like the villain in a film. Imagine if Eco Oase was coming to take out this guy. It would be the perfect performance for that. Like the issue isn't really in what he's doing. It's how it's being deployed. He is no longer being the lead. He is doing something too interesting and weird to center a film on, you know? And that's why I think Gotti was robbed of best actor. And the film Gotti was also robbed of best actor. Cause you know, the Teflon Don it never stuck to him. Should have gone best Oscar Oscar. Yeah. Best Aster. It's the best performance by Ari Aster before Ari Aster made, uh, the like five hour film he's currently making, and then that one about gardening, and then that one about playing the piano, and then that one about happy families. Um, he was John Gotti in public, like a Saddam Hussein double. Oh, yeah, 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 right, like, 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 like in The Dictator when, 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 when Ari Aster played uh, Sasha Baron Cohen's double. I, there's a lot you can connect between Ari Aster and Sasha Baron Cohen's aesthetics. It is very much like Sergio Leone turning up in the Bicycle Thieves. Yes. Oh, anyway, I it is. No, I would love to see Larry Charles' Midsummer. I think he'd do a great job with this. What would that be like, Finn? Go ahead. Uh, well, it would be it would be slightly more masturbation. And during the scene where where what's his face uh, has sex with a group of people around him, 
Like, there'll be someone standing to the side, be like, oh, these guys are having sex. Oh, isn't that cool? Oh, oh, look at them. Oh, they're fucking wow. Oh, what's, what's, all, what's all of this? Who's who? Oh, he's putting his penis inside of him? It's crazy. Just sort of shit like that for a while. Uh, I, because, yeah, uh, just to break the bet. I yeah I've I've discussed on here before about how like a lot of my journey through this podcast has been like watching these films as I as I tr- attempt to make films of my own and I've never realized more cuz I'm always uh, like obviously I I love to involve Finn somehow and I've never realized anything with more certainty that if I ever make a film with a sex scene you know, it'll be a Michael Mann intimacy two one body with many limbs swimming under moonlit sheets, and then the camera slowly pans to you in the corner, going, "Oh, what? What are they? What's that going on? What, a penis and a vagina? Wow! It'll be great." Uh, anyway, <laughs> but so anyway, I guess what I'm saying is. You have to be a very specific kind of person, namely me, a fictional gangster, to in any way sincerely like Gotti. And because I'm fictional, I do have to be kind of honest and say that this film is dreadful. Yeah. I label it out of shite and sound. I label it shite um, on my list of all of the films and force majeure, uh, Coldfish and love exposure i have put it at 129 which puts it above meet joe black but beneath the zodiac killer uh yeah i would agree that it is shite i have it at uh 134 uh below mickey and maud but above over her dead body there is uh, there is nothing to recommend this film the year after this movie came out Scorsese released The Irishman, which uh, does all the stuff this movie does, but good. Uh, like, just watch watch any other gangster movie instead of this. Even, like, the straight-to-DVD, like, mafia version of Carpaganda ones will have at least some good fights in them, yeah. you know? Or fights, or, at, like, events. Yeah. This is a real, like... The only reason to watch this is if you're a Stacey Keach completist. And, and, like, even then, maybe don't yeah. bother. If you're Stacey Keach completist, there's just a lot. Okay, so, Finn, we face a battle, which is that uh, I, I, per the ritual, I am to look up a highly rated review of Gotti. Yeah. Uh, on a social media platform, Letterboxd. But there was a user called Gotti Lover Number One, who repeatedly posted very positive reviews of Gotti, whose account was then removed right. uh, uh, by Letterboxd because they thought it was a troll. Yeah. And anyway, uh, so there, I have just looked through like 20 to 30 pages of people being like, this post is for <laughs> Gotti Lover Number One. And all people being like, this should be in the Criterion Collection. This is, you know, like joke, yeah. letterboxed, get over yourself. So we got to go to four stars. Okay. That's Do you want to hear a four-star review of Gotti? Sure. From Morgan Conroy. 
Kevin Connolly's 2018 movie, Gotti, follows the story of Italian-American mobster John Gotti, John Travolta, from the Gambino crime family through his rise as mafia boss to his ultimate demise and death. I like that this guy points out that the film includes both his demise and death. Well, well, Very well, well, few like that, films include both. Well, like that, 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 that's basically something that that's basically something that, something that like Gotti says in in the movie in his opening like bit to camera. He's like, "This life ends one of two ways: dead or in jail." I did both, which doesn't make any sense. But that is just but one pinprick in the otherwise invincibly tight weave of the narrative of Gotti. Yeah, <clears throat> it, 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 it starts strong. Dips low for that one sentence and then goes straight back up. Yeah. And, like, that's just the flaw that keeps it good, like Jared Leto in Blade Runner 2049, you know? Morgan continues. As a huge fan of the mafia genre, I was intrigued as to how this might compare to the works of the likes of Martin Scorchese. And I have to admit, I was impressed. Travolta plays an unusual role as the Mafia boss, quite like I have never seen before. Well put. And Spencer LaFranco works brilliantly alongside him as John Gotti Jr. Incorrect. I mean, the words work and brilliant don't necessarily have inherently positive comments to him. As we talked about it, the man who plays his son does not age. Uh, uh, looks like the genuinely, if you told me he was a member of the Jersey shore, I would be like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's what the situation's real name is. Yeah. No, he, Um, he, 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 he he looks 19 years old the entire movie. There's a, there's a scene right at the end where he's getting out of jail after like, uh, after after like nine or 10 years in jail, he's seeing his kids for the first time. His kids look older than he does. It's crazy. Um, and it's, but there, there, it is, there, there, was, there was just no effort put into any fucking part of this movie. But it, it's almost with the sun. There's almost like a Mitsuguchi uncanniness <laughs> to how he doesn't age. Like there's something where it is like he is but a spectral being just merely being one dimensionally captured on film, you know? <clears throat> now, uh, Morgan goes on to point out some of the ways that Gotti differs from other gangster films. I'd like to point out, Morgan has identified these as things that aren't in other gangster films. Okay. Perhaps what I found the most intriguing was how Connolly also focused on the effects of a mafia lifestyle on the surrounding family. Mm. Which is something that isn't usually portrayed. No, it's, we that's, saw, that's, a, that's certainly nowhere in any of the Godfather movies. It's not in no. Goodfellas. It's not in, in, the, it's not in the Irishman the next year. In the Godfather, you won't get scenes like, as Morgan goes on to say, we see Gotti struggle to maintain his criminal status and be a supportive husband and father and his internal turmoil as to whether to bring his son into the criminal world or not. Yeah, there's not like a full half of American culture for the past 20 years about how I'm a bad man and I'm afraid that my son will be the same. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not like every Michael Mann movie is basically about that. 
Yeah. However, the movie did feel very modern at times. It didn't reflect that of the 70s, 80s era when it was meant to be set. Mm. Aside from the attire and the cars. If you didn't already know the backstory of Gotti, but everyone does. Everyone knows about Gotti. Uh, uh, you might not realize it was meant to be set more than 40 years ago, which loses a degree of authenticity to the movie. I've always said that's a problem with the movies. Inauthentic. Theater only for me. Oh, I love the great white way. Gabagool. However, despite this, the movie was a good watch. It demonstrates the lengths certain mobsters may go to in order to gain power. Another thing no other gangster movie has covered. <laughs> Such as killing members of their own family. Furthermore, many of Travolta's lines were rather slick. Such as, <laughs> if you hurt somebody, make sure you hurt them so bad they ain't ever gonna come back. And listen to me. And listen to me good. You ain't never gonna see another guy like me if you live to 5,000. <laughs> and though Gotti is not the most memorable movie I've seen, it's a thoroughly enjoyable movie for those who enjoy monster movies. Which is why, for me, it gets four out of five stars. This person pointed out the, the very, like, modern look of the film. There is one moment where it felt like an effort was being made to, to like make the film not just look like it was shot on digital in 2018, which is there's a scene where John Gotti and, and everyone in the neighborhood is having like a street party and they're letting off fireworks and stuff I think, for, for the 4th of July and, and a bunch of cops come up and be like, hey, this is an illegal street gathering, we're shutting you down and John Gotti, you know, like shuts them down with his like with his clever mobster sass and then, and then like lots of fireworks go off and when it, when it shows footage of the fireworks, it looks like the fireworks were filmed in the 80s on a camcorder. Just, yeah. just, just for those few shots, it looks... The, they, like, try, they try to make it look like someone shot this at an 80s street party, but the rest of the street party is just shot like the rest of the movie. It makes no... It's like... Just... <laughs> now, Morgan... How did this get made? <laughs> Morgan has a top four films on Letterboxd. Oh, one of these, right. one is uh, a good film, okay. one's a great film, oh. two I've not seen, one I hear is good, one I hear is bad. Let's start with the bad one. Uh, it is almost like a joke film that someone would, like, you could almost, if you were making a parody of someone with bad taste in movies, you'd put this in their top four. It's a best picture winner. Uh, the Artist. No, worse. Crash. Crash. I mean, not that bad. Green Book. It's Green Book. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, the next one is, it's a Stephen King adaptation, and it's a long one. Uh, is, 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 it, is it one of, is it, is it like a miniseries? Uh, no. No, no okay. the running time is quite short, but it's a long one. I don't know. Maximum Overdrive, The Langoliers, It, It Chapter 2, The Shining. From 1999, Sam Rockwell, Patricia Clarkson, Barry Pepper, Harry Dean Stanton, William Sadler, Gary Sinise, David Morse, Bonnie Hunt, Michael Clark Duncan, 
Oh, oh right, right, right. No, it's 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 the Green Mile. Ding ding. Yeah. Stephen King adaptation that's quite long. Did you get it? Yeah, it was a mile. Did you get it? That's a mile. Now explain it to me so you understand, Finn. A mile is a unit of measurement for length. Uh, It's quite a long long unit of measurement. Now here's one with quite an iconic heroine. Uh, Requiem for a Dream. That's got some iconic heroine. Yeah, closer uh, oh, than you train, train think. <laughs> ding, Trains, ding. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho, and the last one is a, a film that I don't think you've seen, but literally everyone else in the world has. Uh, Whiplash. No, bigger, huge. It's so huge you can see anywhere, near, far, wherever you oh, are. Oh. <laughs> Oh, Titanic. Every yeah, night no. in my dreams. Yeah, no, I've ne- ne- never seen it. It's good. It does yeah. a job. Like, yeah, yeah. that well, Jim Cameron. He should treat his workers better. He should absolutely, like, I heard some stories about the people on the Avatar sequels. Don't yell at people, Jim. Je- Jesus. Oh, well, at least the bubble is popping in New Zealand film. Anywho. Every night in my... So, that's the top four. So, leaves me to ask you one final question. Hey, Finn. What? Where can people find you online? Who knows? Who cares? Don't try and find me. <laughs> uh, uh, but you, you can find my show on Twitter at shitesoundpod at gmail.com. Why not check out our website? It's at shiteandsound.com. That's the word and, not an ampersand. Uh, And if you like what I do, (laughs) why not check out (laughs) my Twitter (laughs) where I, for cowardice reasons, am purporting to be an Auckland-based playwright and not New York gangster Yutha Dean. You can find that at Yutha Lives. I got a newsletter at Yutha Lives, bit.ly slash Yutha Lives. You can sign up there. I have two other podcasts. One's called The Witching Hours, which is an audio anthology drama. Uh, spooky stuff. It's like the Twilight Zone. And uh, the, uh, the other is called The Slow Path. It's a relationship podcast. While me and my partner, Bry, we are going to watch Doctor Who, which is uh, like British Star Trek until we die. Uh, hey, our theme song. The Nux by Kazam Blam. And do you know where you can see Kazam Blam? In uh, the New Zealand film Cousins. Ah, you are out of date, my friend. You can see Kazam Blam in New Zealand film To Power the Dog. Oh, really? Yeah, he's the guy playing the piano. Who, oh. who, oh, who, get, like, who gets oh, shouted at? Yeah, yeah. Oh, great. Oh, if you like the show, why not leave us a review on your podcatcher of choice or tweet about it? We're an acquired choice. And we should acquire some more. So why not you go up to your friends and make them a pod offer? They can't pod refuse. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Can't wait for me to be back when we do The Godfather. Which only just leaves us to say, oh.
movies are good. Except for Gotti, it's a piece of trash. Go watch him. Oh! Covering, what were you doing? <laughs> just covering the webcam there. Yeah. Just, you need to, uh, what, what is keeping you asleep? I'm just, I'm just trying not to die here. Well, what's killing you? Is it because Titan is only quite good and not, not gr- as great as everyone says it is? Oh, that's part of it. Yeah, it's like see, see, seeing seeing Titan and Last Night in Soho within like oh, a week God. of each other. Just, just a real bummer. Oh, but the first half of Titan is good. Like, oh, sure, sure, but by the time she gets to like the, by the time she's just like killing all the people in the house, and like, mm, fine. Oh no, that was killing all the people in the house. I was like, yes, this, I want this. There's the point where the film lost me because it did not keep escalating from that. It did not keep. It wasn't like, and then a police officer comes and she's like, oh, I've got to kill this police officer. And so it did not end with her giving birth to the robot baby while like gunning down the army, like someone flipping out in, in, in Grand Gr- Theft Auto. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh. that, 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 like, opening sequence of her of a car show and then oh. stabbing the guy in the air and then fucking the car. It's like the best 20 minutes of any movie this year. And then, like, as soon as it, I mean, like, anything past that, I was kind of, I was kind of pretty unengaged. But have you ever thought about how it's hard to be a man? That's what they made a whole film about, anyway. <laughs>